Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Hope for Today. Glad you're joining us. And if you're watching, hello, good to see you. If you're listening, well, we're waving. So thanks for being a part of Hope for Today. And I encourage you to continue to seek for God's best every day of your life. Today, I have uh, not just a person here, but a friend. Uh, you were my neighbor for many yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. We lived in the same neighborhood. My daughter, Eden, was a babysitter to your great kids. Yep. So this is Joe Oden. Joe, welcome. Glad hey, to have you today. Good to be here, Pastor. Hey, tell us about your family, first of all, before we get started. Yeah, I've got a beautiful wife and three children, 12, 9, and 6 years old. Yep. And yeah, we live great. in Springfield, Missouri. They live in Springfield. They moved from uh, Dallas, Texas area up to Springfield, Missouri. We'll talk more about that later. There's a scripture that I want to read that it's not used very often, but it's Ecclesiastes 7.1. A good name is better than fine perfume. Well, fine perfume is pretty expensive nowadays. I mean, you can look mm. at bottles of really nice perfume, nice cologne, and you're in the hundreds of dollars. But the scripture is always right and says a wise name is better than fine perfume. We look at the perfume in the Bible. If you had uh, a jar or a box of, of perfume back then, that could be a year's salary. So mm. we're talking thousands mm -hmm. of dollars. So that's some really exquisite perfume. But the Bible says that a good name is better than that, better than multiple thousands of dollars. So I know this man. This is a good friend of mine. He has a good name. You have a good name, Joe. Not, not the name Joe, but yeah. a good reputation. <laughs> but you didn't always have a good name, did you? No. Can you fill us in a little bit on that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to be a drug addict and a drug dealer, uh, addicted to everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And the, the grace of God is, and the mercy of God is so powerful that, um, you know, there was a great book that was written about 25 years ago or so by a, a good good author, uh, evangelist Tommy Tenney. It's mm -hmm. called The God Chasers. Yeah, you remember that book? book? Of course. Um, I wasn't chasing God. I encountered the man chaser, hmm. Jesus. Right. When I wasn't looking for him, he was looking for me. Right. And I was on a stupor of drugs, overdosing, long story short, turned on the television, hit TBN, and I was called to preach. A man was speaking. He points in the camera. I mean, the very second I landed on the channel, he said, there's some young people that are watching this program and you're hooked on drugs. You're in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction. But I got good news for you. Jesus Christ is in the cave with you. He's going to bring you out, set you free, and you're going to preach the gospel around America. Long story short, after that, I began to pray that God would get me in church. I was arrested. I was court ordered by the law to go to church and I had to get my, the bulletin signed each week. Wow. Six months into this process, a team from a historic revival in Pensacola, Florida came to my church, preached. I got radically saved and delivered and set free. And I've been preaching ever since. Wow. Well, that's powerful. How yeah. many years ago was that? That was April the 27th, 1997. So right at 26 years okay. ago. Okay. So. You may be thinking, okay, I don't have a good name, or I have a family member that doesn't have a good name. It can always turn, mm. right? Yes. It can always turn. And in fact, I would say if you didn't have that testimony, you wouldn't be as propelled as far as you've been propelled. 
part of who you are, right? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's part of why people endear themselves to you in ministry, because you were willing at a time in church that people wouldn't talk about coming out of drugs. Yeah. You did talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you, you were open with it. And as a result, it opened many doors where you may think, my bad situation, my bad rap, my bad name, my bad arrest record is going to hold me back. I'm not encouraging you to be bad. Stop what you're doing and then turn towards God and watch him begin to open the doors in your life. So, you know, this this is all about hope. And your testimony, your story is about hope. And if you want a testimony, here's what I found. You don't have a testimony until you have a test. So some of you are just simply in a test right now. Pass that test and uh, watch God do great things in your life. So we move forward many years. You started a ministry. You started a discipleship. Let's talk about some of those components. How did you get started in doing work for the Lord? Yeah. Well, the day that I got saved, I I said to God, if my friends that are hooked on drugs could feel the power that's mm-hmm. running through my body right now, they would get born again. Right. And so immediately, I had a burden for the least, the last, and the lost. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't understand the scripture, you know, the it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I never read Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, for recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captive free. I never read any of that stuff. But there was something deep, deep, deep on the inside of me. It was Acts 1-8. Never read Acts 1-8. You'll receive power to be a witness. I immediately began to share the gospel and and share Christ with everybody everywhere. And it, it, I didn't do it right all the mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, I go to Brownsville, and Evangelist Steve Hill could, would tell everybody they're going to hell about 8,000 ways right. in one night. So, I mean, I would tell people they're going to hell, but God matured me through that process. It was innocent. It was pure. The motive was right. And so I just never stopped and I kept maturing, uh, went to Bible college. You, you know, I went to be a missionary. I didn't want to just sit at the Brownsville right. Revival and soak, right. you know, for 20 years. I wanted to go do something. I became a missionary. God called me back to America. Mm-hmm. You know, America is in a place right now where it is in desperate need of a move of Agreed. God. Agreed. And so he called me back here. I began to travel. I don't go overseas very much because I'm called to this nation. And so... For the past 20 plus years, I've been traveling in America as an evangelist with a, a burden to equip the church to win the lost and to encounter God, to pray. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of been my lane. Wow, that's that's really a, a neat lane that you've been in. You started even a ministry of training people how to disciple. Yeah. How long did you run that? The school. Yeah, the school yeah, ministry. for about seven years. Seven years. Yeah, so yeah. I knew a lot of the students. It was uh, a great school. And then the Lord moved you to Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I was in South Africa. You'll love this story, Pastor John. I was in South Africa. And uh, uh, a well-respected ministry wanted me to move to another location to start a school. Mm-hmm. And I was, I wanted to do it, man. I was like, I want to do this. And a mutual friend of ours, I think she spoke here before, Cindy Jacobs, yes. hadn't she? Yes. Yeah. So um, she was there and we were in the hotel lobby and I said, hey, Cindy, I just got this opportunity. 
and she looked at me in the eyes. I mean, like, there was no time to process it, sit down. I mean, I mean, she, she got a word from God, like, boom. She said, that's not God. You're not called to that. You're called to the Assemblies of God. Go to Springfield, Missouri, mm. and, and, and pray that God would use you to redig the wells of revival in that movement. Wow. Wow. So I'm like, what do I do with that? Go to a shofar outside right. of the building? <laughs> and so she said, no, call somebody you know. So I called Pastor Rick DeBose. I told him. He said, come on. Um, so the next morning, I go and I meet with this individual, and I tell him to hire somebody else three times. Mm-hmm. This was like I wanted to do this with everything right. on the inside of me. And I got to my room. Trisha was with me. I sat down on a little couch, and I began I began to ugly face cry. I began to weep. She said, what is wrong, Joe? I said, I just turned down an opportunity of a lifetime for a door that I don't know if will ever open. And so I went up there and I prayed for three days. And long story short, um, they asked me to come up and lead a couple years later, the World Prayer Center. And um, our, our vision is to create a place of prayer that gives birth to the miraculous, signs and wonders, and empowers evangelism and discipleship around the world. So we're really excited about it. God is moving there. Our goal is to raise up an army of intercessors to move there to create a furnace of prayer. You know, the Assemblies of God, our embryonic seed was not charismatic preaching, well-to-do events, articulation, and education. It was a half-blind African-American man during segregation and Jim Crow that prayed Mm -hmm. until the glory of God showed up. And God doesn't want that just to be in our history. He wants us to that to be in front of us. So we are trying and laboring to establish a place of prayer, and we're going to adopt the Charles Finney model. Uh, Finney... Um, had two intercessors that he worked with, Father Daniel Nash and Abel Clary. And he was the, he was the central figure for the Second Great Awakening. And he didn't have a profound strategy. He didn't have a profound ideology of, of something new and groundbreaking that had never been done before. Finney would send two intercessors into a city. And they would pray in 12-hour shifts hmm. for 30 days, wow. 24-7. And when Finney would get there, the Spirit of the Lord would move in such a dynamic manner. Entire cities were coming to Christ. That's wow. not hyperbole or exaggeration. They called it the burned over grounds. If you were to follow them as an evangelist, there was no work to do. Right. So uh, when I heard that, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was enamored. I was captivated. I was convicted. And and I always felt a sense of, man, this is a model. So when they asked me to come, I said, you know, guys, I'm an evangelist. Mm-hmm. I said, allow me to merge prayer and evangelism. And so that we just don't form a, 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 a place of prayer, but that we export it around America. 
Right. So we're going to be sending missionaries all over the United States to work with local churches, four to eight of them, to pray 24-7 for 10 days for awakening and breakthrough. You know, the United States of America right now, uh, it's awakening or bust. It's right. revival or death. Right. We need a move of God. Right. And so... Um, and, and at night, we're not going to do revival meetings in the traditional way. We're going to train the intercessors. We don't care if it's 17 people from the church that show up. If we can impact the 17, the forerunners, the Hannahs, the, the, the Abel Clarys and the Nashes, I believe we can really impact that, that church, that community. And then at the end of it, me at first, but we're going to work with other evangelists and, and, and other itinerants all over America will come in and do encounter services and then train in evangelism. I felt the Lord spoke to me. When prayer and evangelism get married, she's going to have a baby called Awakening. That's good. So that's yeah, that's, that's awesome. what we're trying to do, Pastor. So that's great. And like right now in this nation, if you're watching from another nation, we have had a small outbreak of revival mm -hmm. in Kentucky, just a, a one of our smaller states, uh, nothing really prevalent to know about Kentucky. Um, and there's an, a college there, Asbury. So you're connected to several denominations, movements. What do you see God doing in Asbury? I see it as a, a place where God began to, it was just a prayer meeting. I listened mm -hmm. to the first message, Pastor okay. John. The guy was not the greatest speaker, but he was so humble. And this is what he preached on. He preached on what love is. Mm -hmm. And he says to the people, I'm a hypocrite. Mm. He said, I don't love like Jesus does. And he listed like four or five areas where he failed and looked to his own interest and not to others. Right. And then he gives an altar call for the students uh, to receive the love of God in order for them to love like Jesus wants us to love. And so the students are there, and so they just start an open confession. They just start mm -hmm. shouting out, I'm, I've been a greedy person, you know, I, I, I don't love, uh, you, you know, I'm a liar. They start confessing their sins wow. in an open forum, and the presence comes. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't lifted. And there's no quote unquote superstar preacher. It's a baby grand piano, an acoustic guitar and a kick drum. Mm -hmm. And what it shows me is there is a holy desperation in individuals that are looking for something and they saw a spark and they ran right. to it. Right. That's what I see happening okay. right now. A hunger for God's people for something to break. And I think Asbury is a sign that there is a remnant of people in America and that are flying in from all over the world that are desperate for God to be at the center and to encounter his presence. That's what I see happening at Asbury. Well, that's that's refreshing. And uh, my sister and her husband just went, said they really enjoyed it, said it was so calming, peaceful, um, you only have an allotted amount of time at an old wooden altar. They say you only have a couple minutes or so many people want. And said when they got to the altar and began to pray, just confession came out of them, mm. repentance. And it was about one in the morning. It was very calm spirit, just uh, praise and worship. And they thought, 
well, it's probably time to go. And they didn't look at their watches again until a couple, three hours later, realizing, wow, we've been here half the night. People are hungry. Uh, I thought, why Asbury? Um, so far, and I don't know what, what the future is going to hold, they've done a good job not messing it up, yeah. just allowing it to happen. And I think sometimes uh, we get the idea we need to steward, meaning help slash control what God yeah, is yeah, doing. Yeah. And I think as long as we just allow Holy Spirit to do what He wants, and that's what's, what He's really been speaking to me, uh, get out of the way. Get out of the way and let me do what I want to do. I remember back several years ago in my first pastorate, it was a Sunday night, the men of the church came and asked if they could pray over me. I thought, well, that's different. They haven't done that yet. So, of course, I let them pray. And the power of God was so strong, I ended up underneath a pew. And I still had my senses about me thinking, I need to get up. But not, none of, nothing would work on my body. I was glued to the floor. Mm. And I kept thinking, I need to get up. I need to get up. And God said, why do you need to get up? I'm the pastor. I need to make sure everything's, you know, I got this. And as I was laid on the floor and couldn't move and could hear everything, wasn't really even having an encounter with God. He just glued me to the floor. I heard the people that I thought needed to do this, do that, humbling themselves and crying out to God for more of what he wanted. And I just say, if God visits your church, if God visits your home, God visits your personal life, get out of the way. Just say, God, do what you want to do in me, and let's watch it happen. I believe revival is going to spring up all over this nation. Uh, right now, I'm involved in ministry in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you know anything about Las Vegas, Nevada, from you probably do. Nations of the world know it because it's yeah. one of the top world destinations. People come for gambling, mainly. There are shows. There are showgirls, all kind of seediness and prostitution. It's a, a place where runaways go to and are sex trafficked. And so uh, taking teams to Las Vegas, kind of what you're talking about, praying, interceding, asking God for revival. And Joe, I believe we are going to see in the next couple of years, cities in this nation afire and ablaze with revival. And this can happen anywhere in the world that people are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and for God. So I'm like you, I love the nations, but the Lord is kind of calling me back to this nation because I think it's time his timing right now yeah. to do something big in the United States of America. So those of you watching from other nations, you're well loved by this nation. You're loved by me. You're loved by Joe. We love to travel. But I'm asking you to pray for us yeah. and pray for the evangelists and the pastors, the prophets, the apostles yeah. in the United States of America, and come help us. You know, I believe the Lord is going to send uh, missionaries to us, even yeah. from other nations, that if you have the fire of God, ask God about coming and spreading that fire here in our nation because we desperately need God. So let's get back to this, this first scripture, Ecclesiastes 7.1. A good name is better than fine perfume. Well, there's no better name than the name of the Lord. And I, I like, Joe, how you shared at the beginning of your ministry um, kind of parroting what you heard in Revival in a preaching forum on the streets, you know, repent or you're going to, yeah. to hell, turn or burn. Yeah. And, and I, I love that you train and disciple people now because there's a scripture that I love, the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, his, yeah. his good name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, part of the kindness of God is coming to individuals in their brokenness, in mm -hmm. their depravity, in their addictions, in their waywardness, if that's not kind, I don't know what is. And 
And, you know, before I got saved, I used to always think when I was court ordered to go to church, I would go for those six months and I'll think I want to get saved, but I can't quit this. I can't quit this. I can't quit this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And uh, the grace of God is an empowerment to live the life of Christianity. Right. So what we have to do is give ourselves to Christ, and he's so good and he's so kind that he not only forgives us, but then transforms us in such a way that we can live the life. Now, we've got to agree with it, and it's not like you just flip a switch, but the, the kindness of God to me is the grace that empowers me to connect with God and live the life. Yeah, I love that. So that's that's what you teach, isn't yes. it? Yes. That, that right there. And that is what is going to change people's lives, right there. Letting the good name of God really come and encountering them through us. Because Jesus, unless he comes in a vision or a dream, he's not going to show up to that person. He's going to send you. Yes, and right. Your des- your desire should be, I want to be the best model of Jesus I can be. And that's tough. That's, that's really hard. I, I had a man ask me a question this week about transgender and someone in his family who had uh, is going through the process and wants to be called a different name. And it's a lot of confusing stuff we have yep. right now. Yeah. And I find the, the best answer is really a hard, it's hard, but it's what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he handle... We have some instances of how he handled tax collectors, how you know Zacchaeus, he went to his house, how he handled the woman with the uh, caught in, in uh, adultery, how he handled people in sin was always with kindness. Yeah, you know, his if he got upset, it was at religion. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was at the people that were condemning and judging sinners. So if you have a situation in your life and your family and friendship of somebody who is in sin, you know they're in sin. They don't agree with the word of God. They're not trying to follow God. The best thing you can do is love them where they're at. Love them where they're at. Don't try to change them. Let Jesus change them through your kindness and love and telling the truth, but allow him to do the work as you pray. You have to pray because we don't want to condone sin and say, hey, I accept you completely as you are. People need to know where you stand, but hey, I respect you and I'm praying for you and I'm going to love you through this. Yeah. Does that sound like a good answer? Uh, it sounds like a good answer. And, and uh, you know, we've got to do everything you just said. But then for for individuals that are going through that, that's why we need an awakening. It is. That's it is. why we need they a need sovereign move of God. Right. We need God to come in such a way. Where we're at right now, articulation is not going to change America. No. Another good charismatic speech is not going to change America. I, I'm I'm reminded of this. Remember when Saul stood and stoned and and approved of the stoning of Stephen. Right. Stephen had just preached mm-hmm. one of the best apologetic messages in the Bible. Right. He took it from where he understood that Saul would know all the way to Christ, and Saul stoned him. It didn't move him, and it was an apologetic that did not convince Saul he had to have an encounter right. with Jesus. Right. And that's what America needs. We need an encounter. I, I truly, truly believe that. Uh, I was reading, I don't remember where it was. I should source it, but I agreed with it, that 
young people raised in church today need at least three supernatural encounters with God if they're going to stay in church, but they're not getting it. In most churches, it's not available. It's not facilitated. And so what you're talking about is that very thing. For this generation, they need to truly encounter God because this generation is being encountered with witchcraft and darkness and supernatural and, and dark areas. So why aren't we doing that as a church? And so you're wanting to facilitate that. You do in your services. I know there are signs, wonders, and miracles. You encourage encounters with God. I encourage you, if you are hungry for God, seek his face. Talk to him. Tell him you want to know his power. Tell him that you want him to visit the church you're part of. Tell him you want him to visit your family. I guarantee when you get hungry enough for God to call out like that, he is going to show up in your life. And so I want to thank you, Joe, for the the allowing God to create a good name in you. Amen. And helping the assemblies of God step into revival. I, I totally believe they have the right person at the helm and leading us into what God has through prayer and evangelism, birthing that awakening. So thank you for who you are. Amen. Thank you for your name, yes, thank your you. good name. Thank you for your friendship. And thank you for being part of Hope for Today. And I hope you've gleaned from this. And I hope that you realize it's never too late to have a good name for and with God. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.